I'm Oli Bell and welcome to Studs Up, a brand new podcast and YouTube series powered by the good people at Odds Checker and Skybet, where we will be delving into the worlds of football and racing. Each week I'll be joined by my Studs Up strike partner, Charlie Austin, a man with over 250 league goals to his name, and we'll have a special guest joining us in the Studs Up dressing room as we build up to the Cheltenham Festival in March. Before we meet this week's star name charlie good to have you with us on studs up how's things and what have you been up to this week uh all good ollie thank you a uh, bit of training this week tough considering it was a saturday and we don't play till the monday started off the week by going into talk sport which was my first time and was very enjoyable alongside laura woods and ali mccoist i'm actually annoyed with you Chaz, because you gave them one of the, the biggest scoops of the football season because you told everyone that Van Dyke could have joined United. What were you thinking? Save that stuff for studs up. I know. Could you imagine? Do you know what? It just rolled off the tongue. I could imagine. Yes, Charlie. I just said before we went in the show and then they kind of went, will you say that again? I was like, yeah, right. I'll go with it. And then you should have seen Laura and, and Ali's face was just like, look at me like that. I looked through the glass and right, I think there's about 10 people around the window looking at me whilst I was talking. <laughs> it wasn't until I left and I see all the stuff on social media about it. I was like, oh, well, it is what it is. It happened. Well, do you know what? That takes me very nicely into introducing the first ever Studs Up star name because it is TalkSport Breakfast host, Rangers in Scotland legend, Ali McCoyst. And Ali... Welcome to Studs Up. Thanks so much for, for joining us. You got this scoop. Were you all buzzing when Charlie revealed his secrets on TalkSport this week? Holy Charlie, first of all, I've got to say it's brilliant to join you two guys on Studs Up. And in answer to your question, Ollie, it was a magnificent scoop. I couldn't, I couldn't believe my ears. Oh, we listen, my phone was going, no, no sooner had Charlie finished the statement and my phone was bleeping and lights were flashing everywhere, guys. It was brilliant. What a heads up. Uh, and I've got to say, even out with that, Ollie, Charlie was fantastic on the show on the Monday. He knew he would be because he's been on a couple of times to have a, a, a chat with us and a catch up. But he came on the Monday. It was excellent. But the Van Dyke story was the icing on the cake. <laughs> uh, well, look, hopefully you'll be working with Ali, I'm sure, on TalkSport in the future. And you'll be with us every week, Charlie, on, on Studs Up. And throughout the course of Studs Up, we'll be, as I say, diving into the worlds of football and racing. We'll have a, a, a Charlie and Ollie double. We'll get an anti-post selection from our guest each week for the Cheltenham Festival. So there's loads to get through and we'll have a... A park lifestyle rant from you as well, please, Mr. Austin. We'll get to that later in the show. But Ali, I, I suppose when you when you look at the premise of Studs Up, combining the worlds of football and racing is is right in your sweet spot, I imagine. Oh, not much. I, I've loved my, my, my racing for oh for years and years and years, guys. My dad, who sadly is no longer with us, loved the horse racing. And he was constant night shift. He was a fitter with Weird Pumps, which was a big company up in Glasgow. But three or four afternoons, perhaps a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday, he used to work in the, the bookies at the top of the hill, and he did the board. Now, I don't know if you'll remember the board, Charlie, but you you certainly have heard of it, I would imagine, you too. It was long before the days of, of TV screens and all that kind of stuff. And the, the, the guy used to do it, the odds would come down via a commentator, 
and three to three to one would be into five to two. The three to one would get scored out. The five to two would get chalked up, and that's what my dad did. You know, um, for three or four hours, three or four afternoons a week. It's amazing, Chaz. Do you remember the the board days? Do you remember when they used to chalk it up on the board in the bookies? I understand where you're going with this, Ollie, and I do understand the same with you, Ali. But you do know, guys, I am only 31. So I <laughs> certainly don't remember that. However, I've, I've heard the stories. But uh, for the time I was in there, it was all electronic, all across the screens, and this is what it is. But no, I've heard great stories. And um, what you do find about that, Ali, is when you when you go in and watch everything. Have you been, obviously, the lockdown and stuff, but how the the bookies and the betting shops have changed now the atmosphere locally i go and have a look into our local one and there's only say two or three men in there men and women in there watching and, and having a bet and stuff it's it's quite sad to see even when i first come in into having a bet 18 in the betting shop there was more people in there. there's more of an atmosphere oh absolutely charlie you know i get back and you know i don't think there's any doubt like everything else it's progressed and moved forward but you, I can still remember sampling some of the big races. And and, and, and and as you say, you couldn't get moving. There'd be 40, 50, people 60. And you could just see in the floor the mass yeah. of ripped-up coupons, right? It would just been, you know, getting into the final furlong with a length lead, cheering it on and then getting caught in the line. And the, the line getting thrown down in disgust. Disgust, I tell you. I can still see those days. But obviously, you know... It's, it's a lot more accessible, you know, in many ways. You can do it via the internet and it's easy. You can bet in many things. For example, back in back in the day, guys, it was we, we used to go to Shawfield as well for the dogs. You know, we had with a great story with a pal of mine had a dog called uh, No Doubt, right? A bigger pal. It was called No Faults, right? So we used to meet on a Thursday and then we'd have just about a crack quiet and then we'd head back home but this no no faults was running in the 740 at Shawfield so Shawfield's in Glasgow and we were in East Kilbride which was higher up but it's maybe a 15 minute 20 minute maximum journey down so there's about six of us piling this big van six whatever it was half an hour before the race we're only going for the one race away we went into Shawfield Opened up five to two. There was only six bookies there. Bang. Straight up, never forget it, straight up to Harry Muller, right? Who is a legendary bookie and there's more stories to come about our Harry. So the boys pile in. Away we go. Five to two. Comes into two to one. Anyway, don't need to tell you. No faults. Round the last bend. On you go. Wins with two lengths, right? So we're up collecting from Harry Muller. And he shakes his head. Harry looks at us. He says, Alec, why me? I said, what do you mean? He said, the other five bookies are Celtic supporters and I'm the only Rangers supporting bookie here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you, Charlie Ollie, I'll save it. But he did get his own back, which it's worth waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ali, do not let us forget that story. I want to hear how um, Harry Miller got his own back on you. We'll, oh, we'll talk more about the, the racing side of your life in a moment. But already you can see the enthusiasm and the great memories that you've got in the world of racing, both horse racing and greyhound racing. But you're best known, obviously, as we know, for, for what was just the most remarkable football career. And when you look at your achievements, 10 league titles with Rangers, European Golden Boot twice, 
Um, Rangers' his all-time record goal scorer with, would you believe it, 355 goals. It is phenomenal what you've achieved in the game and continue to do with the broadcasting side of things as well, Ali. But take us back to the very beginning, because am I right in thinking that when you were a wee pup, Alex Ferguson used to drive you to training when you were with St Mirren? Is that right? Yeah. It's all it's, it's a true story and it's a great story. Um, and every time I see him, and funnily enough, when I see Sir Alex now, it, it, it would be at Cheltenham or wherever it would be. And, you know, I, I'm lucky enough, I, I would call him up just to see how he's doing and things like that. So he's, he's a man that obviously played a big part in, in, my, in my career. But uh, when I went to school up in Hunter High, um, Sir Alex was just coming into management at St Mirren. And I was training there with the kids, I think it was about 13, 14. And he would come up to my school at four o'clock, pick me up, because he lived in the same town, and we'd drive over to Paisley with another lad, a lad called Stevie Cowan, who played with St Martin Aberdeen. And he, we would train. We would train with the kids. Sir Alex would do um, his training with the first team and the reserves. He would, he would then, after training, just shows you how long ago it was, he would then fling us a couple of quid our way and Steve and I would go around to the local fish and chip shop and get some chips, right? None of, none of that salad and avocados and all that stuff back in the day, Charlie boy. It was a bag of <laughs> chips after training. <laughs> and we would go and get a bag of chips. We would come back to, to Love Street at St Mern and Sir Alex would have finished his work and then he would drive us home to Eastco Bride. And he would, he would drop us off at my mum and dad's house at that time. So it was a fantastic experience. And then, fun enough, it, it, it is, actually gets a, a little mention in his book as well. He didn't sign me at St Mern, um because, believe it or not, he thought I was too small. So so every time I see him, and every day and every opportunity I get to see him, I, I, I walk up to him and I say, I say, look at the size of me. I've made up for it now, Sir Alex, am I not? So he does enjoy, he enjoys a chocolate at that expense. So I still wind him up every time I see him. Um, I said, as good a manager as you were, I said, Sir Alex, I said, you were, you're the absolute best in the business. But I am living proof that not every manager gets it right. <laughs> I love that. Too true, Ali, too true. Ali, you know when you was obviously... Back there, going back now to your, the St Mirren days when you was with uh, Sir Alex, when you was in the car and stuff like that at, at 40, 15, what was your thoughts? He was first team manager. What are, you, what are your thoughts then? You, was you nervous? Was you didn't want to say anything? Or was he quite an open guy when you was in the car? He was really open. Um, but he, he always had the always had the respect, as you would hope, guys. And, and you listen. I, I remember just... I, I, I remember he, he, he loved this story because... Stevie and I went into the chip shop one night and with a bit of an Argy Bargy, the two years, this is the truth, a bit of an Argy Bargy. And Fergie actually had got called, right? And he'd take him run to the chip shop and Stevie and I were rolling about the floor, punching each other, right? So, honestly, God, he says, I can't believe it. He says, you two are giving me more hassle than my entire first team and reserves put together. So, my father... My first form of disciplinary action was carried out by Sir Alex when I was 14. Which is, but my, my point was, my point of the story was, it was just brilliant. You know, I, I can remember the journeys in and you would just sit and listen. You would clearly, you, 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 would, you would converse and have conversation with them um, when asked questions. And I, I was, I, I just wanted to be like a sponge, man. I just wanted to ask this guy so many questions about football and he was always very open. Listen, 
hasn't it hasn't changed throughout his life. Open calls it as it is, and that's him. But but Charlie, I can remember the journeys, and you would just sit and you would hang on every word. You know, you'd hang on every word. I absolutely love that. Because I've now got an image in my head of a sort of battered sausage flying around a chip shop and, and Fergie having to sort of run in and break up a fight with two 14-year-old lads back in the day. And, and Fergie absolutely loves his racing, as I was saying. Um, I remember, actually, because he, he's had plenty of good horses. He owns part owns Clanders O'Bows, a, a dual King George winner. And he's got various flat horses as well. And I remember when I was a, a kid, uh, he'd ring up one of his trainers, my uncle Michael Bell, the day of the Manchester Derby to find out how his horses were. He was so on top of every part of clearly the football side of things, given what he achieved, but yeah. also the racing side of things. And he's so passionate about about racing. That must have been unbelievable back in the day to to have that opportunity to learn from, from someone like that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'll, get, I'll give you another one, right? He's obviously, he's great pals and he owns horses with the... With Jed Mason, you know Jed? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very pally with Jed as well. Jed and I go a long way back. Jed and I will go back about 25, 30 years because we had a great mutual pal in Toronto and Canada. So Jed and I had one or two trips over to Canada, which hopefully we won't have to talk about today, but Jed's great fun and I've known a, a long time. But I've got a wee place up in the West Coast where my father was from, on Loch Fine. Just a wee house up there we sometimes nip up and escape to. And it's across the loch from a, um, a lovely, beautiful village called Inverary. Just as you would picture it, kind of beautiful Scottish loch village. There's a castle there, small, lovely. Anyway, we're up one, one uh, I'm talking about maybe, he was manager at United at the time, so whatever it would be, but there was no games that weekend. So I decided to nip up with the kids and the family, just have a couple of days, and away we went. So I walk into the, the hotel, which is the Inverary Hotel, and the place is quite quiet, just one or two people there. And I say to the barman, glass of wine, whatever it was, he ordered some lunch, I'll have a pint of the really ill. So he said, I don't, he said, the barman looks at me, he said, I don't, I don't know what's in the water with you lot today. I said, what do you mean? He says, the footballers, you're all over the place today. I said, what do you mean? And he nodded over at the corner. And sitting in the corner, was Sir Alex Ferguson with a pint in the racing post, right? <laughs> in, the, in the middle of nowhere, he's sitting with a racing post and a pint. I think his wife, Cathy, was doing a little bit of shopping, right? And he decided to come in for a pint. And he's, he's sitting studying the forum for his bets in the afternoon because he had a weekend off. Brilliant. I think that when you look back at your career, for a lot of people, and actually I'll ask Chaz about this, growing up, you must have been watching Ali as one of the premier strikers in Europe. Was he someone, Charlie, that you looked up to when you were a kid, sort of learning your trade? Uh, to be honest, I knew about Ali because of two good friends of mine, a Scottish from down there, so they was mad. They was mad for him. But because everything was down there, you had Rangers and Celtic up there, my hero growing up was Alan Shearer. Uh, being a striker, someone who scored goals, all kinds yeah. of goals, he was just someone that you wanted to idolise. 260 Premier League goals, still there. Don't get me wrong, if I was Scottish and grew up in Scotland, I would have followed Ali McCoy. It's 335 goals, Ollie. I'm not being funny. That That is unbelievable. You've sold him short. It's 355, isn't it? I am so He's... sorry, Mr McCoy. <laughs> you pissed out 20, 20 bangers from McCoy. <laughs> 
Ali, I remember all my. I, I reckon. I, I reckon I can remember. Hey, all I'll let you off. I reckon I can remember all my goals, but there is no way you scored twenty bangers. There is no way you scored twenty bangers. <laughs> no, Charlie, you're absolutely right, mate. Not, not in this world did I score twenty bangers. Never in a million years, mate. Never in a million years. But I tell you what, uh, listen, I'm with you all the way. Alan Shearer, man, what? When you talk about his goal scoring record, and you're right, 260, but he's. I think, Charlie, I think he's about 40 or 50 ahead of second place. Yeah. Who I think's Wayne Rooney. So it's not as if he's just ahead. Brilliant. Incredible. And Ali, do you know we've talk, we can talk about Wayne Rooney quickly. Do you think now he will get the respect I think he yeah. deserves as a player, all-time Man United goal scorer leading, all-time England leading goal scorer? That speaks volumes, volumes of what he has achieved and everybody kind of criticised him the back end of his career. Now he's taken a step back in management. Surely we can all look on it and think, wow, this kid was unreal. You look back at 2004 when he got injured, 2006, you think, how? If he didn't get injured, England surely would have won, won a tournament. But for me, the respect hasn't been there when it comes to the back end of his career. For him to score that many goals for England... And for Manchester United, he must have been the top, top, top English player. Oh, Charlie, I, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you 100%. I used to say the exact same thing. And my words were, I think Wayne Rooney is one of these players, for whatever reason, that we will not appreciate until he's not playing anymore. And that's, that, in many ways, is kind of sad because I did. The same as you, I can hear it in your voice. I really appreciated him as a player. And I don't know whether it was a... I don't know whether it was it, perhaps that England side, which was fantastic, never, never won a major tournament, or there was a little bit of maybe from the England fans. I don't know. I'm guessing maybe a little bit of anti-Manchester United. I just don't know. I couldn't understand it. But when you look at what he's achieved in terms of, I mean, top goal scorer of all time, England and Manchester United, I can't get any better than that, surely. No, again, that's what I'm saying. For me, I, th I think he's almost, he's, he's there. He's definitely, for me, top three, the greatest England player of all time. I know a lot of people will think, Chaz, that's a, that's a big statement. Yeah. But what that guy achieved is unbelievable. What about, I mean, he's, he's obviously given his record, as you say, right up there. But I, I think if you ask most fans for sort of England's best players of all time, Paul Gascoigne would have to be right up there on the list, wouldn't he? And, and Ali, you obviously played with him at, at Rangers. How good was, was Gazza both on and off the pitch to, to be involved with? Oh, man. Awesome. Awesome on it. Awesome off it. Never a dull moment. What a player. What a player. And do you know some guys, I, I would take it a step further. I actually believe, honestly, that we that Rangers get the best of Paul Gascoigne. I really do. I mean, but the, the period he was, was, guys, you could see he was loved. He, he needed to be loved. He was loved. He, he was loving. He was in an environment where he was incredibly happy. He was always happiest in, on the training ground. But at the same time, he lived in the next village to me. So there was a couple of locks he would go. I mean, he, he'd think nothing to get up at five in the morning and going for three hours fishing before training and things like that. that. I mean, that's just what he did, you know. But 
I mean, in terms of the talent, I mean, some some of the games, some of the goals, it, the one that sticks to mind is when he scored the hat-trick, um, I think it was the second last game of the season to, excuse me, to beat Aberdeen to, to win the title. I think it was the eighth title in a row and he scored the hat-trick. And I would urge anybody that's not seen it to go and look at the quality. I think the third goal is a penalty, but to go and look at the quality of the first two goals. I mean, there the, were the kind of goals, that, and you'll know what I mean here, Charlie Ollie, there were the kind of goals that perhaps only Gascoigne could score, you know, those kind of goals, upper body strength, beating people, beating players. He, he was just a fantastic, fantastic player. You know, when you go on about that, Ali, of what you'd had, you'd had him in the team and what was he like in training? Because when you play with, with people like that, me, when I've trained with people, you just, you think, wow, how do they do that? How do they do that? And and for me, when I played with better players, it was almost like, fuck, that's great. They're going to roll them on the plate for me all day long. Did you have that kind of feeling? Or was Gaza selfish like he got in the thing? He was beating 10 players and rolling it in. Oh, I, I, but he would make a goal for you as well. But I tell you what, um, this isn't a criticism. If he had a chance to score it himself, he would. I remember I, we played Sawyer Bucharest in the Champions League. I remember. And he went in a run, he beat two or three players. And I've just made a run right down the middle of the park, Charlie. And I'm thinking, I've got to tap in here all day. Tap in all day. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, just keep going. Beat another two or three and then roll it along and play it to me. And I don't need to tell you. He did. He beat another two or three. And I'm thinking, I've got to tap in here. And the, the bandit stuck it in himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so it, it, it's brilliant. <laughs> and, and, you, and you know what it's like, Charlie? I've got to go over and go like, right, well done. You know, instead of saying, you should have squared that, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but could you, Ali? Could you imagine if he missed? Then you'd have had him. You'd have had him in the tunnel. Oh, the lot, the lot. I mean, I had a couple of scraps of him as well, Charlie. I mean, I mean, that, that's the thing. You think about Gascoigne and everybody. Yeah. Everybody, oh, I. I mean, we just scrapped the League Cup final. You know something? And another day, we could, have, we maybe could have, should have got sent off, right? One of these was he's coming through with the ball, Charlie. Okay. And I, we're playing Hearts, it was at Celtic Park, because Hamden was under reconstruction. We're playing Hearts, and he comes through. And I've went to stand up, and then I, I've spun in behind. But he's, you know, but he's played it in, into my feet, you know, because he wanted me to be a wall. So it didn't happen, I went in behind, fine. So two minutes later, he comes through yeah. again. And then I went again behind, and I just came short to be the wall. And I don't need to tell you, this time he played it in behind. Yeah. So he plays it in behind, Charlie. He throws his hands up in there, gives it one of them, as if I'm some sort of bump or some sort of numpty, right? So there's about 50, 60,000 <laughs> And I'm raging. I'm not having it. So I went right up to him and I grabbed him. I says, oh, you. I says, you ever try to make a fool of me in front of 35,000, 50,000 folk? I said, you and I are going to be rolling about here in two minutes. Of course, it is not back down. He says, oh, is that right? He says, come on in. He says, let's have some. Right? So, so... We've got players and the referee <laughs> split us up. Honestly, this is before half time. So we'll get in at we'll get in at half time and we're still bickering away at each other. And eventually Walter Smith, he Walter went crazy. And he, he I, I'd seen Walter angry before, right? And I knew this was not a man to be messed with. But Gascoigne hadn't seen it. So when I, when I saw Walter was just flipping over the line, of course I just went, mm, shut up, nothing. But Gascoigne couldn't shut up. And I remember Walter grabbed him in the dressing room 
and he shook him, right? And Gascoigne would, his face went red. He was shaking like a leaf, lads. And I'll tell you what he did. He went out in the second part, in, the second half, and scored two, and we won 4 3. He was amazing. And I've got some brilliant pictures. I've got some brilliant pictures after the game. Myself and Gaza with arms round each other, with the League Cup there between us. And the two of us are smiling and laughing. And I'm thinking, if, if only everybody knew what happened 45 minutes earlier. Brilliant. That's magic. And, and look, we, <laughs> I've heard one of the best sort of, because we talk a lot as fans about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the, the dressing room, banter if you like, the practical jokes that are played in football. And I don't know whether it's true or not, but I heard yeah. one of the, the greatest ones was involving you and Gazza. And you mentioned his fishing. It was involving some, some trout, I believe. Is that story true? And, and what is the story? 100% true, right? What happened? Oh, I'll tell you, Ollie. I mean, he, he, at that time, honestly, our dressing room it was one of the best dressing rooms in terms of uh, talent and, and multinationals with Italians and Gascoigne, with Danes, with Loudrop. You name it, we had it. Great players. But Gascoigne, and we, we always used to go call on Thai to training, guys. We always used to be calling Thai. So one more, and Gascoigne was always in early. He was always in first because he, he was in so, just couldn't sleep, you know. There's no sign of him one morning, half nine, and we're training at 10 o'clock, still no sign of him. Quarter to 10, the door opens, and he walks in with a pair of waders on, right, up to his chest, full waders. By the way, we're calling tie underneath his waders, and he's holding two trout like that, right? So weird, and hysterics, man. We're rolling about the floor in tears. And anyway, how's he going? Caught a couple of fish. He was injured, and so was I. So the rest of the boys went training. Well, he looked at me, and we're in the gym doing our work. He went, come on, Koist, he said. Well, I've a bit of a laugh with these two trout. He said, who's been annoying you this week? And I went, Gordon Shuri, jukebox. He went, right, watch us. So he went into jukebox's pockets, got his car keys, right? And out the two of us went to the main street to find jukebox's car. So we opened the, opened the, opened the car up, right? <clears throat> now listen to this. We opened the boot up. I unscrew the spare tyre. I get the two trout and I throw them in the back of the boot and I go to screw the spare tyre back on. He says, no. I said, what do you mean? He says, watch this. So he unscrews it, takes one of the trout out, screws the spare wheel back on, opens the back door, he finds a compartment in this Honda you would never know existed, drops the fish in, looks at me and says, when he finds the first fish, he'll think that's it. <laughs> I thought to myself, there and then, I knew Charlie, Ollie, I was dealing with genius, boys. I mean, I was out my depth. I'm telling you, I was out my depth. Right. <clears throat> He said to me, when he finds the first fish, well, of course, all the boys are in it, lads. And he comes in, jukebox is coming in to dress him after about four days, right? And he's saying, fucking smelling my car. He's giving it the whole bit, you know what I mean? And then after about a week, no, you know those wee Brazilian, no, 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 those wee Christmas trees, the, the fresh, air fresheners. Well, I swear to God, his Honda was like a Brazilian rainforest, man. Yeah. There was trees, there was pineapple, there was lemon and lime smelling. <laughs> it was unbelievable. He like, couldn't see out his windscreen for these air fresheners, right? He was driving a little... Right? So, so anyway, he finds the first one. 
And he comes in and he says, ah, bastards, he says, aye, bastards. He says, it was you, wasn't it? I went, nothing to do with me. Of course, Gascoigne's like, nothing to do with me. So for the next three days, he's coming in and he's saying, by the way, I cannot get rid of the smell of that car. <laughs> and he said, he said, Koisty, he says, I'm not kidding you. He says, I stopped at the traffic lights and they went into training. And there was people walking by my car holding their nose. <laughs> so eventually, unbelievable. Eventually, he says, I'm going to have to send this in to get checked. <laughs> so he takes it to the garage. <clears throat> And he said, uh, eventually they, they found the other fish, right? He said, the two guys cleaning it, he said, they were like some a nuclear plant. He says, they were walking about with big suits on. Trying to get the, the car was minging, it was filthy. It was... <laughs> oh, by you. And before you get any further, it, it cost Gascoigne and me a right few quid to get that car cleaned because it wasn't it wasn't your normal valet service. I've got to say, Walter, Walter charged us a few quid, but it was, I need to tell you, it was worth every penny, boys. I bet. Well, oh. my cheeks—I'm oh, gone here. My cheeks are completely hurting. It's that is genuinely. I'm so glad it's true because I'd heard a story about that and I thought that can't be true, but phenomenal. Chaz, the, the, the moments like that still happen. Do, do they still happen in the dressing rooms or has it got a bit more, well, somewhat more professional than those trout days? Oh, mate. <laughs> we ain't getting there. You hear the stories. I do, I, you hear the stories and you you wish like you'd be part of the dressing room. But the game is, it's, it's sad to say the game's changed on and off the field so much now. It's, um, you have the jokers, but there's only limits. It's only limits you can go to. We're talking about a genius here with two trout. Yeah. Uh, I think the most you get with, with people now would be cutting socks or firing the clothes in the in the shower or something like that. I I've been very I've been very very fortunate in my career that that's not. I'm well, if not any of the QPR players are watching and you see them turn up with two trout, just lock your car, Charlie, and look after your keys. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Ali, in, in all seriousness, I mean, we're, we're reflecting on just what was a brilliant period in Rangers football history. You won 10 league titles, nine Scottish League Cups, as I said earlier. And it seems like the good times are returning to Ibrox with Stephen Gerrard at the helm and you booked for, for another league title coming Rangers' way. How good a job has Gerrard done there? Uh, Ollie, Charlie, brilliant. You know, I think we spoke about it on Monday, Charlie. He's, he, he has done and is doing a fantastic job. There's a couple of things worth worth mentioning as well. He's, he's been well supported, Stephen, by the board, you know, because I think this is his third year now. And I said at the start of the season, he's been doing fine, but now we'll have, Rangers have to win something just to prove that they're back. And I've got to say, the level of performance from the team this season, domestically and in Europe, I mean, to go through that camp, the European League section with Benfica in it and, and, and won, you know, won the group was, was no mean achievement as well. But in terms of the, their overall play, you know, he's, he's clearly got a very good backroom staff. Gary, Gary McAllister, I know very well, Michael Beale, they're, they're all, they're, they're a team, you know, leading a team. And as I say, Stephen deserves enormous credit. And just if they can get the boys over the line, which you've got to say, in, in, in all intents and purposes, it looks as though it's very, very achievable now. 
Um, I, I, I can't tell you how many people it will mean so much to because it's been a long time and the, the club's been through a torturous period, you know, going into administration and liquidation and things like that. So, Stephen, I'll tell you right now, if Stephen manages to hang on and win this title, he'll be an absolute, never mind Liverpool, he'll be an absolute legend up here at Rangers. Can, can I just ask a, um, a question and I'll get your thoughts, Ali, and Charlie's if I can? Because I speak to a few people who look into football data and the numbers and the, the levels that Rangers have played at this year are right up there with the best in many ways across Europe. You've been very good at the back, you've scored goals, you've got very talented young players coming through. There was a time there was talk about Rangers and Celtic either joining the Premier League or there's talk of perhaps a, a European league, if you like. Would you, as a proud Rangers man, Ali, welcome Rangers branching out into a different league in whatever form that is? In answer to your question, yes, I, I, I would, Ollie. But at the same time, I'm appreciative of the fact and aware of the fact that Rangers have obviously got a very strong Scottish history and heritage within the Scottish League. But it's only natural that you would like to see your own team and your best team and your best players compete at the highest and best level possible. And there's no getting away from it. 100%, the English League, not only is it far better than the Scottish League, it's the best league in the world, probably. So... That is, you know, effectively who you want to, to compete against. And Rangers are now hopefully going to get the opportunity to do that and are doing that, albeit not the Champions League, but certainly at this moment in time, the Europa League. And if they win the league this year, which, well, I certainly hope they do, they'll have an opportunity to test themselves against the champions, um, the champions of, of, of other countries, obviously. But I just think, looking, looking at the big picture, I think it would be brilliant. I really do. But I understand the concept of, listen, some of the English clubs wouldn't be happy because it's like, effectively, it would be like Turkey's voting for Christmas in, 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 in some cases. But I just think, I look at it, I think, I mean, how, how mouth-watering would Rangers, Arsenal and Celtic, Liverpool, Man City and Celtic uh, Rangers, it, it would just be absolutely incredible on a regular basis. And I'll tell you right now, if it ever happened, they would have to, and I really mean this, they would have to put another tier on the on the on the govern stand or or one of the stands at, at Ibrox because I mean sixty thousand wouldn't be enough. Got, I think we've got fifty thousand season tickets every year just now anyway. But you'd need to you'd need to increase it to about eighty if you could. Would you be an advocate of it, Charlie? Of them joining the Premier League? Yeah, then it, I would be. I would ex think there'd be a, a good idea in in time to come, but then it would put like this debate to bed would can Celtic and Rangers mix it in the Premier League that's the biggest thing is what everyone says um, you see what they're doing this year and what, what Celtic have done for the last eight nine years it'd be good good to see them mix it into the in the Premier League with with, with the better teams like Ali said England is the, the best league in the world you can see that on when it comes to Europa League and the Champions League there's no doubt our teams go further than many we have four that qualify five that qualify was it Last year, when it was an all England, all England final, the year before, do you know what I mean? So it just shows it that we are yeah. very strong. And let's be honest, Ali, you agree with me here. Every player, every foot, if you asked every footballer around the world, where would you want to play? And they would all say the English Premier League. Absolutely. I mean, Charlie, effectively, Thomas Tuchel, who's just come from Paris Saint Germain, one of the biggest clubs in Europe, the first thing he said was, I'm coming to the best league in the world. So, 
I, 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 I don't really think it's up for debate. I think you can look at the Spanish league and say, you know, technically, there might be one or two teams I've got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But in terms of the competition, guys, in what other league in the world would you get a team that's fifth bottom beating a team that's undefeated at home for 60, 70 games? And then the following week, a team that is bottom by some considerable distance beating the team that's second top, you know, a, a boat away from home. That, I, I just think the league, and I, and I speak as a neutral, although if you put me in a corner, Chelsea and my team, but I speak as a neutral and say, uh, this year in particular, the league is fantastic to watch. It really is. Still to come on Studs Up, we'll get Charlie's rant and we'll touch on the latest football and racing stories. But before we move on, Ali, I must just ask you about your passion for racing. You do owe us a story regarding a bookie who got his own back on you eventually. But uh, when when you were playing, was the atmosphere in the dressing room, was there a lot of interest in racing? Were you able to go racing and enjoy a day at the races, a day at Cheltenham? I don't know what it, what it was like back then, but were you able to, to enjoy the races? Oh, we, we, we loved the races. We absolutely loved the day of races. One of my greatest pals that tragically passed away, David Cooper. David, David Cooper is one of the best players you'll ever, ever see in your life, lads. In fact, I still think that, to this day he's Ruth Hewlett's favourite player because Ruth had him in his, his all-time best 11 he's ever seen. That's how good David was. And I'll tell you about David. David didn't have a right foot. He wasn't quick. He couldn't tackle and he couldn't head the ball. But his left foot was like a wand. Honestly, what a footballer. And David loved the racing. And we used to go down to Ayr or Hamilton or Perth or Edinburgh, whatever it may be, and with a day down there, myself, uh, Big Derek Johnson, who's a Rangers and, 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 and Scotland player, we Charlie Miller, five of us in a box, and we've not had a winner all day, right? And it's come to the last race, and Coop's busting to get a winner. Busting to get a winner. And I came up, and I said to Big Derek, I said, watch this, I'm going to wind him up here. So I said, it's the last race, lads. I, can't even, I said, I've got to be honest you, I was talking to one of the trainers, about half an hour ago before the second last race, and he's gave me a tip for the last race. I said, I can't I can't remember the name of the horse. So he said, I said, the jockey's I said, the jockey's good. I said, the trainer's brilliant. He's only given me a couple of tips before, and they all they both come in. And of course, Coops was like, What was the name of the horse? I said, I can't remember. I said, For the life of me, David, I cannot remember the name of the horse. He said, Come on, Ali. He said, Remember. He says, What's the name of the horse? You need to remember. Come on. I said, Coop, I can't. No, I said, I cannot remember. I just can't remember. Wait a minute. I said, no, I can't remember. I think last race, he said number five, but I can't really remember. Coop looked up. Last race, number five, amnesia. (laughs) 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 Amnesia. Well, we fell about laughing. Coop threw, threw threw the race card at me and away he went, stormed off in a huff. But we loved the day at the races. I think I went, I think I went to about 12 Cheltenham's in a row. And I think, I know for a fact, Graham soon has fined me for two of them. He, might, he, he didn't find me for the entire 12, but I know he fined me for certainly two, possibly three. I remember we went down and I think he must have got wind we went down because he, he texted everybody, everybody got a message. Would he, been, would he be in training the following morning? So I think we'd been in the, 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 the Tuesday and, we're, and we're had, well, we might have the Wednesday off, but he got us in the Wednesday morning. I thought, bandit. So we went racing the Tuesday. I flew back up, trained on the Wednesday, and flew back down. 
right after training, right? Made it in for the last race, Ollie. And if memory serves me right, I don't need to tell you. I think it was a 515. Catabatic. Yeah. Catabatic. 72. On you go. One race. We made it done for the last race now. <laughs> and I don't think, I think he knows now, but I don't think he knows to this day that we went back down for the for the Wednesday and flew back down. But uh, it's just, it's, it's a great, I just think it's the greatest festival. I enjoy the flat. I must admit, Ollie, but I mean, Cheltenham for me is just, the, it's, it's, the, it's the business. I absolutely love it. Uh, it, it will be a very different Cheltenham. Obviously, we don't think there will yeah. be crowds as, as we know it, but I think the atmosphere will hopefully resonate across through the TV screens as we build up to Cheltenham here on on Studs Up. We'll get an anti-post selection from you later on, Ali. But um, just before we move on from your interest in racing, can you just let the Studs Up listeners and viewers know how Harry Lewis made his money back? Henry Miller. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Harry Miller. Just in case. Harry Miller, sorry, Harry Miller. <laughs> So me and me and we did me we Durante, he was my sidekick throughout my career, we Durante, the two of us, thick as thieves. There used to be an old director at Rangers, and they used to run the Rangers pools. And one morning he said to his lad, somebody's let us down. He said, With the two used to do a wee photograph shoot and a bits and pieces. He says, he said, There's a hundred quid in it each for you. Oh, that'll do lovely. I smash and so took me and Durante and I cut a wee snaps, cut the photographs, lovely. Couple of hundred quid. <clears throat> there we go. So what we're doing this afternoon. I'll tell you what we're doing, Gerante. We're going to Hamilton Races. So away we go. The two of us go to Hamilton Races. We got a couple of tips. Nothing came. Got a tip in the last race. So I went straight up to Harry Muller. I don't need to tell you, lads. I came off the tip, right? And I bet something else. Sod's law. The tip wins. 11-2. We, Gerante's going like that. You're beauty. And I've now got to tell him that I've not backed it. So... He's giving it that. I say, Gerante, I've not backed it. Oh, you're stupid. So I, I, I get the deserving mouthful. I said, well, that's it. No other option. I said, two pints and a two bob, ten pence phone call for a taxi to Cricklewood. Walk up to the bar. Two pints. Girl comes up, puts the two pints on the bar. I'm just about to turn around to go the, the, into the foyer to use the phone. And I get the shout for somebody sitting down in the corner. How you doing, lads? I looked over. Yes, you've got it, boys. It's Harry Miller, right? He's got a knife and a fork, and he's got the biggest fillet steak in front of him you've ever seen in your life with chips, mushrooms, trimmings, the onion rings, you name it. And he looked at me, he looked at the two of us, and he winked, and he went, every dog's got his day, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry for naming him Harry Lewis. If there is a bookie out there called Harry Lewis, then um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully you haven't taken money off Ali as well. We wouldn't want Harry Lewis <laughs> too much. But look, those are amazing stories. I know you've owned horses as well. And uh, we hope to see you at Cheltenham, if not this year, then then hopefully back next year. And I'm pretty sure that Soonest can't find you this time around. So we'll hopefully... <laughs> he'll have a go to it <laughs> Yeah, he'll try. <laughs> Um, but look, there's lots going on in the racing world of late. Charlie, I know that you were impressed by First Flow, who beat Politolog in the Grade 1 Clarence House at Ascot last week. Do you think that horse can serve it up to Shaqan Pourcoir in the champion chase? Off Going off what he'd done then, you've, you've got to put a, a case forward for him. But look, he, he ran it, the ground, the weather in, down at Ascot wasn't the best. But he led, led well, jumped the last, and Politolog, to be fair, looked like it was going to put up to him. But he just went away. Look, Kim Bailey's first Grade 1 winner. Uh, look, for... For him, he's got 
is still for me first grade one winner for a long long time for a long long it? time been, yeah so for me still got a bit to prove ollie just because chacon poussoir it comes with the reputation willie mullins Richie, it's gonna be a tough ask for me. It really is. I just think he's he's near on one of the naps of the he'd be many people's nap at the festival. Yeah, I agree. I think Shaq and Paul Soir is a, a bit of a banker, the likes of Envoy Allen are, are bankers at this stage. Um in other news, the Longines World's Best Jockey was announced this week, and for the third year in a row it went in the way of the fifty year old Frankie de Tori. And it is a remarkable achievement from Frankie. And I, I think racing's gonna have a massive hole to fill when Frankie retires because he's such a rock star and obviously he's famous beyond racing as well he transcends the sport Ali you were a team captain with him on question of sport for him to still be doing what he's doing it is genuinely remarkable isn't it Ollie it's unbelievable that wee man has been one of if not the greatest ambassador for horse racing certainly in my lifetime and there's been some there's been incredible jockeys if you think about it you know Piggott, Carson, Frankham, McCoy's unbelievable as well. I mean, I'm lucky enough I, I can call Frankie an AP, my, my friend, and, and I, I value their friendships dearly. But for Frank, Frankie's like, I mean, it effectively is, guys, he's it, it, like a good wine. He just seems to be getting better and better. And his relationship with horses is one of the things that attract him to the public as well. Not just the way he handles himself, but his genuine love for Enable, for example, you can see it. You can actually see it. You can feel it. You can feel it through the TV screens. And it's, it, it's just brilliant. It really is. And, and more power to him. And, and long may it continue. As I say, he's, 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 he's just an excellent, excellent athlete. And one of the best, definitely in my opinion, one of the best of all time. I remember interviewing him after Enable one at York and he burst out into tears because he thought that was the last time we were going to see her on a British race. She ended up staying in training. But you're right, when you're next to him and you see him talk about horses, it it is genuinely phenomenal. Um, I want to get some stories from you about his time on Question of Sport. But Charlie, I know that we've spoken in the past about trying to attract racing to a younger audience. How concerned are you about what happens post Frankie de Tori when he retires? Because he's, he's such a name for the sport that, that, as I say, crosses over through the back pages. Yeah, and he's such a name for the sport and, and rightly so <clears throat> for what for what he's done for the sport. But if you look now, with, with the way social media has gone, Frankie's not had to use that. He's been out there, like you say, he's been well documented everywhere on different channels. But for me, if you look at the likes of Oshie Murphy, what he's trying to do via the, the social media channels when he's doing his his um preview of the race and after when he's saying what he should have done better or what he should what he done to, to win the race i think that just gives racing fans a better insight to than what it can do listen we you interview people straight after the race and it's the raw emotion of what actually happens but when they look back and have time to reflect on it when they actually describe what happened it, it is good to see and it's well it's well documented that when it comes across it is it is a good watch yeah, definitely. Completely agree. Was he a diva on Question of Sport, Ali? Oh, I, I mean, I, I've never I've never seen a man spend as much time in makeup before a TV show in my puff, lads. It was embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, for the size of him, the amount of makeup was going on that face. It was it was embarrassing. But no, in, in all honesty, in all honesty, he was exactly the guy you see at the racetrack. He's got he's got time for everybody. You know, everybody loved him on the show, Sue, and doesn't matter, the researchers, everybody. He was just, do you know something? 
he was just too busy and, and, and too good a jockey to, to do that full time. That was his problem. He had too much talent and too much still to offer um, the horsing world. But I, I, I certainly valued my, my, my time with him in Question of Sport, as I say. Great fun. Uh, and, and and we still speak on the phone um, pretty often. I'll, I'll phone him before big races and wish him all the best and things like that. And there's never a minute goes by. He gets back to you immediately. He's that kind of guy, you know. Yeah, he's a tremendous bloke and a thoroughly deserved third world's best jockey crown for Frankie this week. Now, uh, every week on Studs Up, as we build up to the Cheltenham Festival, many of you will remember that Charlie became a bit of a viral sensation. Well, he's been a viral sensation twice, in truth. Once for revealing that Van Dyke could have gone to United. We've had a go at you for that already, Charlie. Sorry. But earlier in the, uh, in the year, last year, you went on a bit of a park lifestyle rant about VAR. So we're going to give you a space here on Studs Up to get whatever you want off your chest. It's going to be called Charlie's Rant. What have you got for us this week? Uh, this week's rant is, again, the offside rule. Uh, for me, it's been a big big talking point early on the week. Should they put the flag up early or should they allow the play to continue? But again on Tuesday, West Brom versus Man City. Controversy for West Brom's second goal. Uh, Man City's second goal, sorry. The West Brom players stopped, looked across the line. The flag was up. Man City players bent the ball in, nonchalant, went back, checked the VAR, and it's onside. Goal stood. How long will it be for till we cancel this this kind of silliness out? We put the flag up, offside, offside. If it's not, continue to play on. Because if we carry on the way we are, the next step, Ollie, won't be a goal that we're talking about. It'll be a player being injured by a collision. I think many people would agree with that. And, and Ali, would you agree? 100%. That's the biggest concern for me. Clearly, I think it's very frustrating to watch. But honestly, and Charlie's right, somebody's going to get injured and it's going to, and it's going to be a serious injury to take it. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, I just think it's crazy. I really do. Let's keep the flag down, playing it on and all that stuff. We're taking responsibility away from people. I don't want to go too far because it could turn into Charlie and Ali's rant. But let's Fire just say... Fire away, Ali. Fire I'm away. In, I'm in total agreement with Charlie. Total. But the, as a football fan watching, there are some offsides where the flag stays down, right? It's so clearly offside. You think, what are they doing? They, they are uh, on, a, on a hiding to nothing. Because as you say, Charlie, someone's going to get injured when it's clearly offside. And it could have so easily not have been the case. What would you like to see happen then, Charlie? Well, this is the thing, Ollie, as you say. We go on Tuesday, well, on Monday morning, they were talking about, look, if it's blatantly offside, put your flag up. If it's not, keep your flag down like we're supposed to, right? Fine. On Tuesday, Sharp Massey thought it was offside, but it was the wrong decision because it wasn't clear and blatant. So continue the play. So still murky waters. Just make a decision. Put your flag up or don't, and then just go back to VAR. Yeah, I think there'll be lots of football fans listening to this that are in full agreement with both of you there, Charlie and Ali. And it's a very good first Charlie Austin rant. So if any clever technical whiz kids out there and wants to put that to the Park Life music, then please feel free and tweet us. <laughs> um, Charlie, a couple of stories I want to touch on with you, if I can. Chef United beat, uh, beat Manu at Old Trafford 2-1 uh, in midweek. <coughs> 
are they showing signs recently that they've got enough to get themselves out of what is a very precarious position from their early season form? Do you think they can stay up? Massive result for them against Manchester United. But as Ali would know, when teams played against Ali at Rangers, the, the lesser teams, the lower down the league teams, it's easy to find that extra 5, 10, 15%. Do I think Sheffield United can get out of the situation? They had a good result, but they need to go and back it up at the weekend because if they don't win at the weekend, what was the point of winning Man United? I know they've got West Brom coming up next week as well. So it's a pivotal time for both teams down the bottom. And one other story in the news in the football world this week um, was a bit of an on-field scrap between two football hard men, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Romelu Lukaku in the, in the Milan derby. You've mentioned your scrap with Gaza, your own teammate, but you have, have you had any other notable scraps in your playing days, Ali? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I was I was very much a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, I mean, surely you can take one look at me and see I was a lover and rather than a fighter. <laughs> but there's, there's certainly been one or two scraps, but that, that was an interesting one I saw the other day there involving uh, the two lads in the Milan derby because there, there was certainly no backing down. Particularly what surprised me, I, 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 I was led to believe that they got they got on pretty well when they were at United together, you know what I mean? So it was, maybe it was just a clash and these things happen and you would like to think after it that they would shake each other's hand and, and, and move on. But listen, it's a competitive game. It's a passionate game. Passions run high. So I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I'm not sure who I'd... Um who I'd side with in a, in a scrap in a, in a boxing ring between Romelu and Zlatan. Probably slightly favour Romelu, but your old man, God bless his soul, he would have priced that one up at 10 to 11 on the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what about for us as well? I mean, I always say this about when people talk to me about horse racing and they say, what do the jockeys talk about either at the start, we try and show it on ITV Racing or in the race. And there's a lot more noise actually than viewers at home would hear. Now in a no crowd world that we're in, you can actually hear the games without the crowd effects on and you can hear a lot of noise between the players. Is there a lot of verbals on the pitch, little digs at players when you're in the box going for a, for a header, Charlie, or something like that? Would it happen regularly where people are, are sort of slagging each other off, I guess, trying to get a reaction, trying to get a rise? Ollie, look, for me, I think it just gives... A, I know there's no fans in there, but it gives an ultimate different view. It goes on week in, week out, every minute. Defenders, centre-forwards, in the box. Of course, it's part and parcel of the game. But because there's 30, 40, 50,000, nobody hears it. But don't be shocked about that, what happened the other night. That, that's just the norm. That is the norm. Right, that's the football dealt with. Let's turn our attentions to this weekend's racing because I, I think it's, it's touch and go whether Cheltenham goes ahead on Saturday. But if it does go ahead, it's a terrific day's racing to look forward to because it's trials day and that does exactly what it says on the tin. It's the last key day at Cheltenham before the festival in March. Horses we could expect to see there if it goes ahead include Paisley Park, the former Stairs Hurdle champion who's owned by Andrew Gemmell. A terrific story that. Santini might run in the Cotswold chase. So there's some amazing horses on show at Cheltenham. Fingers crossed that goes ahead. But also a terrific day up at uh, Doncaster and Skybet are sponsoring the card up there. Uh, They've got a great offer for this weekend's racing. They're paying five places instead of three in their flagship sponsored race this weekend at Doncaster, the Skybet Chase, uh, which is the 3.15. And that looks a good opportunity for Cap de Nord for uh, Christian Williams. And each week on Studs Up, Charlie and I are going to get a racing selection out there each weekend and that's going to be a double on on skybet so just head to the specials tab in the horse racing markets it will be under the studs up double 
So let's kick things off. Charlie, you can go first. What is the first leg of the double going to be this weekend? It is in the Skybet Handicap Chase, and for me, it's Captain Nord. Look, on the last time it ran, it comes second to Royal Pagali, who has had everything spoken about him, seen what he'd done last week. They're actually stuck where they're going to go. He's annoyed. He can go to the Gold Cup. But for me, Captain Nord is a certainty at the weekend. Captain Nord then in the Skybet chase for Charlie. That's coming up at 3.15. My selection, my leg of the double, I'm actually technically the first leg. So the pressure's on my shoulders to begin with because my race is at 2.37 at Doncaster. It's the Skybet Phillies juvenile hurdle. It's a listed race and there's a horse in there called Progressive, who, who is just that. She's one from one over hurdle. She won over course and distance on heavy ground. I was really taken by the way she went through that race. And I know that connections think an awful lot of her. She doesn't do an awful lot at home, Progressive. But as I say, she's got a massive engine. She's won over course and distance. She's acted on soft ground. And I think she'll take an awful lot of beating in that. So the double, to recap, the Skybet double, head to Skybet. You can find it on the uh, the, the app there or the website. It's Captain Ord in the 315 for Charlie and Progressive for me in the 237. We should just say as well that Shishkin is likely to run at Doncaster on Saturday. Um, Shishkin is the anti-post favourite for the Sporting Life Arkle. Charlie, do you think this horse is the real deal? I do think he's the real deal. The way just took him to fences like a duck to water. It's going to be very interesting what actually happens in the coming weeks. Um, I am looking forward to it. You want the best horses to run in the big, big meetings and that's why we have the buzz about horse racing because you almost have Altior going one way as he gets older and moves on for his career. You've got Shishkin coming through as completely, completely the same horse, different horse, same direction. Fantastic jumper and someone that I am looking forward to watching throughout the years. And Ali, when you look at horses like Shishkin, Envoy Allen, the really good horses. Now, we've talked about some of the great managers and great players in the world of football. But when you've got a horse with so much talent, it elevates racing uh, to a different level, doesn't it? Those horses like Shishkin, they get the hairs on the back of the neck standing up when you watch them. 100%, guys. Absolutely. And I've got to say, just a wee, a wee side touch. I take one of the reasons I love Shishkin as well, because there's a 12-hole golf course on the Isle of Arran on the west coast of Scotland. And it's one of the most beautiful courses you'll ever play in your life called Shishkin, believe it or not. And it's just a small thing. I just thought I'd hit you with that piece of information. But you're absolutely right. I get back to, well, the first horses I fell in love with was Red Rum, one of the greatest, you know, steeplechasers of all time. And it became a firm favourite of the nation. Desert Orchid, my favourite horse in the flat, Dancing Brave. These, These were all wonderful, wonderful horses that not only were very, very successful, but the, the 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 public fell in love with, and it's just so important that we, that horses like that keep appearing, that that, that grab the, the imagination and the love of the public. Uh, definitely, couldn't agree more. So when we look ahead to this weekend, don't forget that um, Skybet have got that uh, that offer in the Skybet Chase. Uh, they're paying five places instead of three in the uh, in the Skybet Chase, which is where Charlie's selection is that he's gone for uh, for Captain Ord. So Captain Ord and Progressive. For uh, for us in the uh, studs up double, the first studs up double. Let's bang this one in. Uh, show the listeners and the viewers that we know what we're talking yes, about. Um, each week as well, when we get a special guest, I think it will be quite a good idea as we lead up to Cheltenham. What do you reckon, Charlie? To get our guests to pick a horse, Cheltenham anti post, and we can get a little anti post book compiled ahead of Cheltenham. I think so, and we can also 
I think that's a good idea. And we can also run a table, not only for the winners, but the ones that all, there's all, there's always got to be a loser. Hey, this wasn't in the contract, lads. This wasn't in the contract. Name and shame them at the end. Um, so go on then, Ali. Cheltenham's what? Eight weeks away, I think. Oh, what I can't you, wait. What will you be looking forward to at Cheltenham from an anti-post angle? Well, as you know, boys know, and I've explained to you, I just love Cheltenham, man. It's just the best week of the year. It's just the best racing, best national hunt racing you get anywhere in the world. I like looking at Patante for Nicky Henderson, the champion hurdle, I have to say. Um, and I think Wally Mullins' horse album photo, which I saw run it to her and uh, and it's and it's race pre Cheltenham Gold Cup race. I know it was only a three horse field, all I watched it though, didn't do anything wrong, looks a good animal. He'll obviously be going to that race, a gold cup full of confidence. Wally Mullins is a genius. But I like the look of Venetia Williams. We spoke about it. Uh, Royal Pagel had the six, was it a 16 length winner at Haydock at the weekend there. Uh, take away the favourite. That's where my anti post Cheltenham Gold Cup bet would be, my friends. All right, making a note that the first one is Royal Pagai in the Gold Cup for our first ever Studs Up guest, Ali McCoyst. Right, terrific stuff. And um, just before you go, Ali, I know you mentioned that you're friends with um, Frankie and, and AP McCoy. and I think it's fair to say, for me, growing up in racing with an uncle who's a trainer, the, the one piece of advice I'd give anyone listening to this is just completely ignore whatever any trainers and jockeys say, because they're the worst sort of tipsters in the world, if you like. They're just terrible at giving selections. Did you ever come across sort of an AP selection when you were playing or at Cheltenham back in the day that, that won or lost? Would you ever get any good info from the people in the sport? AP, are you joking? He might be the worst tipster on the planet, guys. <laughs> no. He'll hate me seeing it. Mickey Fitz, on the other hand. Mickey's not bad. Mickey's been known to come up with one or two gems in his time, right? But McCoy, I think, to be honest with you, McCoy, I think he's probably a better tipster than the lets on. He just take the hug for me because I beat him 4-2 one time at the golf in Portugal. All right, Charlie. I beat him 4-2. We played in the Algarve at Villa Moura. And I promise you, I have never played sport with a more competitive human being in my life were on holiday and he didn't speak to me for three days. Three days, lads. I mean, that's taking it a bit far, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were lucky, Ali. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, guys, you, you speak about sportsmen, the, the best, you know, the, the competitive level. And as I say, really blessed to know two of the finest of all time. McCoy, I was I took my oldest son down to his last day's racing and we flew down and it was fantastic. And my oldest son came with me and had a wonderful day. And he's been a great friend for a number of years. Um and he's great company, as you know, him and Chanel and the family. And the, as I say, it would be it would be remiss of me not to mention that I have won one or two pounds on one on some of the mounts that he's been on. So it would be churlish of me not to mention that, guys. Uh, you're a top man. You're a great friend of us. And I know that we've rattled off your career achievements, but we've got another trophy to send you. It's the first ever Studs Up guest. You'll be getting a trophy from us. So a huge thank you for joining us, Ali. Love the um, boys. It's been absolutely amazing hearing those stories. And um, you're an absolute legend. Ali, thank you so much. Charlie, that's the first Studs Up done. Happy? 
Happy. Thank you, Ali. I've got to be honest with you, yeah? I was nervous. I did say that. First 10 minutes, I did have a little panic up. But no, happy. Great stories. Plenty of content in there. Look, it's going to be an endurable, endurable road to Cheltenham. It sure will. Every week, as we build up to the Cheltenham Festival, we will bring you Studs Up, brought to you by Odds Checker and Skybear. A huge thank you to the great Rangers and Scotland legend Ali McCoy. Thanks, as always, to my Studs Up strike partner, Charlie Austin. We are here every Friday. If you like what you've heard or watched, please leave us a review on the Apple podcast or in the comments section on YouTube. I'm sure you all know how to do that. But um, like, subscribe. Get involved with us on Studs Up. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everyone involved and we'll see you next time.